us, amen, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, amen. Samuel 17, good to have everybody today, amen, truly thankful for all of you that are here, let me say we love you today, amen, we love everybody and appreciate you, amen, for being here, if you have a Bible in your hand, go there, if you have it on your phone, go there, amen, if not, we have it on the screen, let me say, I did forget when we were making announcements that this Thursday during our midweek worship, we are starting a new Bible study, uh, the effects of the Tower of Babel. So uh, we finished uh, in December uh, about the days of Noah, amen, and we got Noah off the ark with his family, amen. Now we're going to look at, as the world begins to populate again, the things that are going to take place and the effects, amen, of that. Uh, so we encourage you, if you can, be here with us, amen, uh, during our midweek worship. Praise God, we'll worship, and then we'll get into, amen, that study. But for now, for Samuel chapter 17, everybody able to stand, please stand, amen, if you have it. And you're ready, say a good amen. Amen. First two verses today. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shokah, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shokah and Azakah in Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Amen. They're going to blast the shofar. We want you to give the Lord praise for his word. Come on. Amen. Can you do Amen. that? Sure. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God, and if the Lord will allow me, again, we're thankful, welcome everybody that's here today, but if the Lord will allow me, we're going to minister on the thought, who's ready to stand out, amen, who's ready to stand out, look at your neighbor, pose that question, who's ready to stand out, amen, are you ready, amen, to stand out, 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is a very well-known story that's been preached it's been taught, it's been expounded on by many, many, many people, amen, from the, uh, from the preschool level all the way through theologians, amen, and uh, 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 college professors and theologians of that nature, amen, so it's a very well-known story that's been preached, but there's aspects of this story that I think aren't recognized, amen, uh, there's uh, uh, things that we don't look at or things that we miss or things that we don't see, amen, that I believe is crucial in this story, and so let's look at it today as more than a story of a boy and a giant, can we do that? Let's look at it today more than just the story of David and Goliath, the story of a boy who came and defeated a giant, amen, and God's people were triumphant, amen, you got to see that the setup before the triumph is important, amen, this is why I say it all the time, and I'm going to say it again today. Context matters, amen? The scriptures, the chapter preceding this one, the things that follow after, even the chapters and even the books, amen? All the way over into the New Testament because God connects his word from Genesis to Revelation. There's not anything in there that is not pertinent to something else that is already there, amen? We just have to learn how to apply that and make the connection. So uh, uh, let's, look, let's look at that setup that was there before the triumph, uh, amen, because it really is important. Uh, how many knows that sometimes we encounter uh, things that we can't fix? Uh, we encounter that which we cannot fix. There's things that we encounter and we just cannot fix it. Anybody ever been in that place, amen? There are things that we, we can't shift it. We can't transform it. We're not able to to heal it. We're not able to end it. We're not able to begin it. We're not able to start it. We're not able to stop it. We're not able to open it. We're not able to close it. Amen. There are just some things.
means that we get to that place. And when it's out of your hands, amen, and you have done everything physical, you have exhausted all physical means, amen, or the ability to be able to get it done, it is a spiritual fight at that point, amen. When you have put in all that you can, that you are physically able to contribute to the situation, and again, you can't fix it, you can't transform it, you can't heal it, you can't stop it, you can't start it, amen, you just can't do anything, amen, praise God, then it becomes a spiritual fight, and can I say it like this, it becomes a fight for your praise, it becomes a fight that belongs to your praise, somebody say with me this morning, I'm going to try to get through this as efficiently and quickly as possible, amen, so uh, when we look at the context here, we understand that the Philistines had gathered themselves against the army of Israel. Uh, amen. But the Bible tells us, amen, that where they gathered together, specifically, amen, uh, they gathered their armies together at Shokoth. You can pull up verse 1 for me again. Uh, amen. They, they gathered together at Shokoth, amen, which belonged to Judah. Everybody say Judah. Amen. Praise God. We know that Judah in the Hebrew. Now, let me tell you right now. Amen. I know I give you Hebrew uh, words, amen, definitions and stuff quite a bit, but we're going to throw out, amen, uh, quite quite a bit today. Uh, amen. In the context of this, of these first two verses, uh, we're going to be throwing, amen, out uh, several things, uh, amen, of the Hebrew context. So just, amen, get ready. Look at your neighbor and say, pay attention. Amen. Hallelujah. But Judah, we know, means praise in the Hebrew. Uh, hallelujah. So they gathered together at battle, amen, at Shokah, that place that they gathered, it belonged to Judah. Judah was, amen, the tribe of the portion of Israel, uh, amen. And so Judah means praise. Uh, so if I can say it like this, uh, you see the enemy was camped in their land, Amen. You see, it already belonged to them. The place that the enemy had set up camp already belonged to God's people. Amen. But they were camped in the land. Amen. Here's the thing. Somebody needed to rise up. Somebody needed to step out. And somebody needed to go forth to tell the enemy, get off of our promise. Amen. Somebody had to be able to stand up. Amen. Rise up. Amen. And put that first foot out and set forth and confront the enemy and say, get off of our blessing. Get off of our promise. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Hallelujah. But I need you to stay with me for just a minute. Amen. They need to rise up. Someone needed to rise up and tell the enemy, get off of our inheritance. Get off of our destiny. Get off of our future. Get off of our remnant. There's nothing about this that belongs to you. You are trespassing on the very thing that already belongs to us. Can I tell you there are some of you this morning, amen, that the enemy is camping on your praise. The enemy is camping in your praise. He is camping in what already belongs to you. But you've got to rise up and you've got to tell him, get off of my promise. Get off of what already belongs to me. That's my future. That's my destiny. That's my family. That's my seed. That's my blessing. You need to get off of it because it does not belong to you. I'm going to preach you quick. You better pray for me this morning. I'm trying to lay a foundation, but I feel the unction today in the presence of the Lord. Somebody give the Lord praise right there. Hallelujah. Amen. It's been given to us. Can I say it like this? The blood of Jesus has already paid for it. The blood of Jesus has already bought it. It's already been signed, sealed, delivered. Amen. So you need to tell the enemy. Hallelujah. Get off of my family. Get off of my emotions. 
rest. I didn't rest very well last night. I'm just going to be frank with you. I didn't have a very good rest last night. But I was thinking this morning, hallelujah, my rest does not belong to the enemy. My rest does not belong to the darkness. But the Bible says the rest of his people belongeth to them. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? So somebody needs to say, rise up and tell the devil, get off of my emotions. Get off of my feelings. You've kept long enough on my will. You've kept long enough on how I feel. Hallelujah. That belongs to me. I need somebody to help me this morning. If the enemy is camped in your praise, you need to rise up. They were camped in the land that already belonged to praise. Amen. They were camped in Shokah, which already belonged to Judah. Judah mean praise. Who was camped there? I'm glad you asked. Amen. In case you missed it when we, uh, amen, read the, oh, the text scriptures. Bring back verse 1 for me if you would, please. Amen. Who was gathered together? The Philistines. Let's look at the word Philistine in the Hebrew. It means rolling. It means migratory. It comes from a root word that means to roll in dust. Literally, it is an immigrant. Now, that is a word that is, should be familiar to us in the culture that we're living in. I'm not going to go political. I'm not going to go there. Amen. But I'm going to tell you simply that an immigrant leaves one place with the intent to permanently settle in the place that he's going to. Ah, somebody help me. Why are there immigrants coming to the United States? Because they desire to permanently settle in this place. Amen. So the Philistines, amen, in the Hebrew literally meant one that migrates, one that goes to and fro. Oh, somebody help me. One that seeks a place that when they get there, they can permanently settle and begin to take part in the blessing and the favor and the grace. Come on, somebody. Do you hear that? Why do folks want to come to the United States? Because we are a free country. Well, almost. Amen. Praise God. But uh, we're not as free as we used to be. But I promise you I wouldn't get political. That's not what this pulpit is for. Hallelujah. But you understand what I'm saying. Amen. They come to take the benefits of the favor and the blessing and the freedom. And that's why the enemy is camped in your praise. That's why the enemy is camped in your family, in your emotions. Because he, amen, desires and intends to permanently take residence there. And when he gets there, he wants to take part of your favor, your freedom, and your blessing that belongs to you through the blood of Jesus. But can I tell somebody today that if you rise up and you'll tell the enemy, get off of what already belongs to me, my God, somebody help me. Hallelujah. If you're not going to fight for your family, who is? If you're not going to fight for your joy, who is? If you don't fight for your peace, who is? If you don't fight for your mental health, who is? If you don't fight for your strength, who is? Hallelujah. Can I tell you, amen, the enemy is a spiritual immigrant. Now it's interesting. Verse 1 says, these immigrants were gathered together. That stuck out to me this morning as many times as I, as I preached out of this story. That stuck out to me this morning. That phrase gathered together in the Hebrew is Osaf. It means to receive, to take away, to remove, destroy, leave behind, consume, or interesting, it means be the re-reward. Now, if you don't understand what a re-reward is, that is a biblical word, that is a spiritual, amen, a grammatical word. In the Hebrew, it simply means that which follows. Amen. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost is our re-reward. 
Amen. So that wherever we go, that's why the whole armor of God covers everything but your back. Because God's got your back. The Holy Ghost is your re-reward. He is following you. Oh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what were these Philistines? What were these immigrants gathering? Why were they gathered there? Amen. Because they thought, amen, that they were going to destroy everything that belonged to the people of God. And they thought that they were going to follow them around. And they were going to constantly be, amen, a reminder of their defeat. They thought, if I could say it like this, they were going to haunt them. That they were going to be like their past. And they were going to always be that shadow. But can I tell you that when we are washed in the blood of the Lamb, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. You can thank him for the blood, but when you know it's been applied, that takes on a whole different... Hallelujah! Amen. Can I tell you, the enemy does not belong on your back. The enemy does not have permission to follow you around and torment you with your past and all of your mistakes. Because I already said it, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Come on, somebody. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's no room for your past when the blood of Jesus is your future. There's no room for the past when the blood of Jesus is your presence. Hang with me. The enemy wants to consume your peace. He wants to hang out like a dark shadow. Anybody remember? You probably tell your age if you didn't remember old Schlepp Rock. Wowsy, wowsy, woo, woo. That dark shadow followed him around. Hallelujah. And that mentality. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that you literally have the power in your mouth to transform a man your mind and to reset your brain? Do you understand that, amen? It's, it's proven scientifically. You say, well, I thought we believed in God. Who do you think created science? God did. Men just discovered it. What have they discovered? That God is the one, amen, who sits above the earth. And the earth is his place. So come on, somebody, help me in this place. You have the power in your mouth to literally, amen, change your brain. You can renew, amen, your mind. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? It is a scientific fact. It's just not, amen, a scripture that we, amen, quote. The reason that it's the word is because it works. Did you, oh, somebody help me. Hallelujah. Your very words can change and alter the DNA that is in your body. So if you constantly talk death and defeat and destruction, it's in your DNA. And you probably pass it on to your children. And that's why, amen, for some of you, it might be that way. You say, you've lost your mind. You're right. It belongs to him. And I can't have it back. I try to take it every now and then, and I mess it up. But praise is a weapon that's in your mouth. It is a warfare tool that is in your mouth. Somebody better hear me in this place. Hallelujah. The words were power in your mouth. And so when we begin to praise, it begins to attract God into your battle. I'll give you about 20 seconds to chew on that. Amen. Praise God. Come on. We get full. Oh, help me, Jesus. I have a bad habit of eating fast. It started when I was in my 20s because I only had 30 minutes for 
lunch when I worked and I would serve. And I gotta tell myself, slow down, slow down. Hallelujah, cause the faster you eat, the fuller you get, but it don't last as long. Amen. We gotta be careful not to take us. I want you to chew on that. Chew it a little bit. Hallelujah. Take it. When you begin to praise, it begins to attract God. God's like, mm, I recognize that. Oh, I recognize that smell because your praise is like an incense that rises up into heaven. God's like, oh, somebody's calling on me. How about I Oh, somebody help me. It begins to attract God. When you have a problem, you don't need to call nine. Amen. One eight hundred. Help me. You don't need to complain. Amen. And vent the whole time. That doesn't attract God. But I'll tell you what it does attract. It attracts demons from hell. Come on, somebody. It lets that immigrant devil think, oh, I can live there. But when you begin to give God, hallelujah, some praise. When you begin to offer up praise, it attracts God into your battle. Somebody say with me. And when he shows up, you will never lose. Why? Because he's never lost a battle. When God shows up, you're going to win. Why? Because he's never lost a battle. This is why the enemy is camping in your praise. You'll get that tomorrow. Somebody, it'll take a while longer. But listen. He said, they gathered together. So that, that immigrant, that Philistine that went to hopefully permanently settle, they gathered there to receive and to take and to destroy, to take away, amen, to consume, to utterly follow and haunt them at Shoka. Literally in the Hebrew, it's Soko, but I know that it makes us feel better to go Shoko. So we'll just, we'll, we'll just do that. Aren't you glad God's not offended if we pronounce it now? Amen. Come on. But here we go again. Somebody say, listen. Shoko means to entwine. It means to shut in for formation. It means protection or restraint. It means to fence or hedge in. So they dwelled in Shoko, which belonged to praise. I'm just gonna say it like that. Belonged to Judah, but we're talking, we're talking spiritually application now. Amen. For you and, and me. Amen. So hallelujah. The enemy came in, was camping in their promise. That belonged to praise. And the promise, shoko, means to entwine or shut in, protect or restrain, to fence or hedge in. That belongs to praise. Hold on to that for a minute. Here's the thing. David was a worshiping teenager. We got quite a few teenagers in here. It's a blessing. Amen. I'm... Probably ancient for them. I'm sure they see me as Pastor Jeff's old. When, when, you know, it depends on what you compare me to. If you compare me with somebody who's 10 years my elder, I'm not old. So I guess since you're a few years younger than me, it's okay to be old. I'll be old to you. But let's see spiritually. I'm a pastor. I've been around the block a few times. I have some experience. I've dealt with some devils. I've been in the place where I shouldn't have been able to get up, but His grace and mercy brought me up. I've been to the place where I didn't know His love. I didn't understand His love, but now I understand His love. I've been to the place where I couldn't accept His grace. You get it. I'm a seasoned I have some experience. And so, 
I forget your name. It's because I'm old. I started saying Josh, and I thought that's not it. I didn't want to make you think I was old. But now if me being, I'm speaking spiritual, me being a pastor, and let's just say for spiritually aware, know what I'm talking about, know how to fight battles, been trained in the secret place. You get me? You understand that? Yeah. Him, just a teenage boy. Right? <laughs> if you had to pick somebody to go in and fight on your behalf, who would you pick out of us two? If you're smart, you <laughs> See, I'm trying to get people to pick him delivered, so pay attention. But right? You would you would say, mm, I would rather have Jeff in the corner of that boxing match than I would him. Right? We're talking spiritual now. But that's not that's not what happened. That's not how that you sit down now. Thank you. Yes. There'll be a star in the sun for that. My point was that David was the least likely to be chosen to come against that giant. He would be the least chosen. But again, let's look at David's name. David's name in the Hebrew means loving. I love this. I never knew this until I was studying for this message. It literally means a love token. It also goes further to translate one beloved by the Father. So David, even though he was the least likely to be chosen to defeat the giant, he was God's Love token. There was something about David. Are you with me? Stay with me. There was something about David that God knew that others didn't. See, the enemy does not want you to comprehend how loved you are by the Father. He does not want you to grasp, amen, how loved that you are by the Father. You say, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've said. No, I don't, but I do know the Father, amen, that said, for he so loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Do you know what the begotten son, what that means? Is that he would have rather kept him to himself. But he loved you and I so much that he was willing to give that which he loved more than, oh, somebody better help me in this place. And the enemy does not want you to comprehend just how loved you are. He doesn't want you to understand that the Father loves you. Because when you understand God's love for you, then you learn to appreciate correction and discipline. When you understand God's love for you, you understand and you begin to appreciate a man correction and discipline instead of seeing it as rejection. Because that's what happens. When you don't understand his love for you, when, when, when things don't go your way or when things happen and he doesn't show up like you expected him to, you see it as rejection when in all actuality he's doing it for your benefit. Come on, somebody. Because he loves you so much that he does not want you destroyed. Hey, man, his, listen to me. Listen to me. When God loves and disciplines you, it cancels the spirit of rejection. It cancels unworthiness because if you weren't worthy of his favor, he wouldn't waste his time to try to get you where he needs you to be so that you can have all the blessing, the favor, and everything that he has for you. He would not take the time, amen, on your behalf if he did not love you. 
today. These pastors that are afraid to preach about sin are preaching to people that don't understand the love of God. When you understand His love, you understand what sin will do to your relationship with the Father. But here's the thing. Jesse loved David, obviously, because he named him Love Token. Now, we know history tells us David was illegitimate. Amen. He was the eighth son of Jesse and didn't even dwell in the house. But Jesse loved him. Yeah. He was named David. Love Token. You, you, need to, you need to tell the devil, look, I'm God's love token. I am a token of his unconditional love. Happy Valentine's Day, hell. I am a token of God's love. I am a love token. Oh, you got to get that. Hallelujah. Amen. He's got Jesse love David, but guess what? He still sent him in the battle. He loved him, but he still sent him, him into battle. He sent David with the, amen, with the food, amen, to go and feed his brothers who were, amen, supposed to be warriors. But they were warriors. They weren't warriors. They were warriors. Oh, yes. God didn't, God didn't equip you to be a warrior. He equipped you to be a warrior. Change one letter and it'll change your whole perspective. Amen. Come on. It's true. Two levels, I guess. Warriors, E-R-O-R. Yeah. You get it. Don't yeah. mess up your test. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. Because I would have been corrected on that after church. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the grammar police, you got to... Come on. Certified. <laughs> he loved him, but he still sent him in the battle. So we say, if God loves me so much, why does he send me into the saddle? Why are these things happening? Why is this situation, these circumstances taking place? If I'm God's love token, why would he send me into this battle? See, you've got to understand, God knew David's heart. God knew David's heart. God knew his secret place worship. He knew his secret place prayer. And he knew his secret place commitment. God knew when he needed David where to find him. That'll preach next week. God knew where to find David when he needed him. Come on, somebody. On the back of the hill, under the moon, under the stars, in the heat, tending to the shepherd, but riding, he is my shield and my buckler. In whom will I be afraid? Are you with me? The Lord, he is my shepherd. Amen. Amen. God knew, David, this is why it's important to maintain a secret place with the Father. Amen? See, God knew. God knew. Here's why God sent David or, or yeah, why David was allowed to go to the battlefield. Amen. Because the battlefield exposes your anointing. I'll say that again. It's the battlefield that exposes your anointing. You don't comprehend. You don't understand the anointing that is on your life because of the covenant and the favor of God. David had no idea really who he was. He had no idea what he carried. He just knew that he believed and trusted in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Hallelujah. See, that, that, that no realization, he had no really true realization of the significance of Samuel's anointing that happened in his father's house. When Samuel went in and anointed David, to be king and that oil ran down hallelujah all over David he really had no full realization of what he was and there's some of you sitting in here this morning that you don't have the full realization of who you are you don't understand a man the capacity of the anointing that is on your life simply because you are God's love token. You hear me? And when you transfer 
amen, your affection from the world to God and you receive Jesus and you are born again. That anointing that is on the covenant now belongs to you. And the only way you're going to recognize that anointing that is on your life, amen, the power and the sustaining ability to fight and to win and to be victorious, amen, is to go on the battlefield. So some of you are in the battle right now because God says, I see what's in you. You don't understand what is in you, but I see it. But it's the battlefield that's going to expose the anointing. Not only will it expose the anointing, hallelujah, but you've been sent to the battle, not only to expose the anointing, but to expose the enemy. Amen. And reveal to yourself Amen. What is in you? The enemy will be exposed by the anointing. Come on, somebody. Are you with me today? Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready to stand out? See, it's the battlefield that exposes the anointing. It's when you realize that the fight won't break you, but it will make you. The fight is not going to take you, but it's going to train you. It's that battlefield that exposes the anointing. It was that, that moment that David it exposed to all who were observing. There's something on him. There's something behind him that's different from all these other soldiers. See, he, 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 he didn't have the training. He didn't have the experience, but he had the anointing. So the world wouldn't choose him, but God did. His father, Jesse, Hebrew, it's Yeshai. Jesse, Yeshai. Jesse means extant. You say, well, what does extant mean? Well, if you're like me, I'll have to look it up. Extant means still existing. Still present, still there. It means not destroyed. It comes from a root word that means to stand out. Literally means there is God. There is God. So it means to stand out. It means that it's still existing. Amen. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Amen. So what did that mean? Amen. Because he was a, his father's love token. I'm trying to make a connection for you. Amen. Because he was who he was and he was anointed. This meant that when he sent David to battle, David was going to return. There was no doubt that David was not going to return. Amen. Hallelujah. Not only return, but he was going to stand out or remain victorious like his father. Amen. So he was sent into battle. Hallelujah. Because we know there is God. God, his father, God sent, amen, you into this battle. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you're going to, amen, amen, stand out. Why? Because you are going to come back with victory. You are going to come back with the enemy's head in your hand. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's God. He still exists. There's nothing that can change who he is. So when the Father, amen, sends you out, when the anointing is upon your life, amen, you're going to come out of this battle. Hallelujah. You're going to stand out. Why? Because you cannot hide the victory. But think about it. Think about it. Think about it. David came, amen. He took the head of Goliath, right? Amen. He came out with the head of Goliath and the people worshipped. Amen. But listen, you're going 
with the head of the enemy, but you're going to come out with a sword that you didn't have when you went in. You're going to come out with a warfare and weapons that you didn't have when you went in. When David went in, he had nothing but five smooth stones and an anointing and a heart for God. But when he came out, he couldn't hide the fact that he defeated the enemy. Not only was he coming back with the amen the enemy's head, but he came back with the enemy's sword. He came back with a weapon that he later went and used again. So when you come out off of that battlefield and it exposes your anointing, you're ready to stand out because you can't hide the victory. You can't hide the victory. Not only will the enemy be defeated, but you'll have weapons of warfare that you didn't have when you went into that battle. And had you not went into battle, it would not become obvious and you would not stand out. That's the victor. Are you with me today? See, salt was the obvious choice. He would have been the obvious choice to confront Goliath. He was over seven foot tall. He was handsome. The Bible says he was good to look at. He was popular. He was strong. But most of all, he was trained. He was trained to fight. Remember, I I, I, I do things every time about somebody that's been trained, somebody that's got experience versus a, a, a boy. Sorry, guys, a kid. You're all kids to me. And here's the thing: because you think I'm old, you're always going to be a kid, even when you're thirty. Right. Right. You're always going to be a kid to me. When you're forty, and I'm fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ashamed of how old I am. I just turned fifty-nine. I'll be. I've got to hit the big 6-0 this year. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you for those years. You say, yeah, you got a lot of white hair. The Bible says this is a crown. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says about, about white hair, it is a crown. So I wear it like a crown. I'm old and I'm proud of it. Come on. I don't like how I feel sometimes. But I'm okay with it. See, Saul was the obvious choice to confront, but David was anointed. He was just a young, young boy. He was a kid. He wasn't tall. The Bible says he was ready. So he wasn't the obvious choice, but he was anointed. Can I tell you that the world celebrates gifts? There's a lot of gifted people who can preach. But they ain't anointed. There's a lot of gifted people who can sing, but they don't carry an anointing. There's a lot of gifted people to teach, but they don't teach under the anointing. Come on. Come on. God's exposing a lot of that mess in 2024. Pay attention. Pay attention to the church culture. It's happening. God's exposing the charlatans. God's exposing the, the hypocrites. He's exposing the fakers. He's exposing the ones who've been taking people's money and then having sex with the women in the church. But preaching hot and heavy, sweating hard. Because they got a gift to preach, but they ain't anointed. The world celebrates gifts, but God celebrates the anointing. There's a difference. Now when you're gifted and anointed, and there's plenty out there like that. Are you with me? That's why you do not need to fight the battles that God does not ordain. Don't be fighting stuff that God doesn't ordain for you to fight. Right. You say, well, why, why not? Because he's not obligated to show up if he has not set you on the battle. That's right. Now, I'm not saying he ain't going to show up. You're carnal if you took it that way. I didn't say that. I said he's not obligated to show up. He's faithful. His grace and mercy. You call upon him, he'll be there. But amen, when, 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 when you are walking in his will and his favor and in that anointing and you're being led by him, he's already there before you get there. When he is allowing it to happen, he done showed up way before you ever got to that battle. There's a big difference in getting there and thinking, what have I got myself into now? God, please come help me. Please come help me. Please come help me. Please come help me. 
Come on, somebody. That's why we gotta, we gotta, we gotta seek to follow Him daily and have that fellowship so that we can let our footsteps be ordered by the Word of God. Now, Shokah belongs to Judah, or the hedge. I can say it like this: the hedge or the protection belongs to praise, not the enemy. The enemy does not have a right to build a hedge around you and fence you in. That belongs to praise. And here, and here, the Israelites, now think of this, the Israelites were intense, shaking in fear, doubt, anxiety, right on the land that belonged to them. They were right there in Shokah, those trained warriors, those experienced soldiers were in their tents, shaking at the sound of the enemy. With fear, anxiety, doubt, torment. How many of you is that happening right in your praise? Because the enemy's camped in your praise. And you're, 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 you're literally shaking in fear. Because the enemy was trying to fence them in with fear when that belonged to praise. It didn't belong to the enemy. It belonged to Judah. Or it belonged to praise. They didn't even step out on the battle. Think on that. Be careful who you ask to pray for you. Come on. Be careful of who you want you take advice from. Be careful who you take counsel from. Be careful what TikTok you make the gospel. Be careful what prophet, what uh, prophetess, and what uh, a lone ranger on the internet you take as gospel. Be careful. Discern. No, the only way you're going to have that is be in the secret place. Every day. Every day you've got to be in that. They didn't even come out on the battlefield. But can I tell you, today I don't know who I'm talking to, but you are not forsaken. You have not been forgotten. You have not been left out. You're not unequipped. And you're not unqualified for what God has placed in your life. You're not unqualified to win. You're not unworthy to win. You've not been forsaken. You've not been forgotten and left out. See, the enemy was squatting on praise. They were squatting on Shokah. They were squatting on praise. What is, what, what, what's a squatter do? It occupies with no legal rights, but they gain adverse possession through involuntary transfer. So if you allow the immigrant from hell to squat in your praise, if you're not careful, they're going to have owner rights. They're going to begin to take possession of the things that's already yours through involuntary transfer. You've got to fight. You've got to know that it belongs to you. I don't know, I don't know who God's teaching this morning. But don't let the enemy sit in your praise. I didn't say sit on it. I said sit in it. Don't let him sit in your praise. He is an illegal immigrant. And he has no legal rights to the promises that have your name on it. Goliath was, according to history, about nine foot nine inches tall. 
Estimated he probably weighed about 425 pounds on the light side. Now that's a big dude. That's a big enemy. Right? Now remember, talking about David. Right? The least likely. That's why he was the least likely to be chosen. Goliath was from Gath. The word Gath in the Hebrew, you say another one? Yeah, I told you. That was going to be a lot, so prepare yourself. Was that the last one? I'm not going to tell you. But Goliath was from Gath. You know what Gath means in the Hebrew? Wine press. So what happens in a wine press? Pressure. Resistance and pressure squeezes the grapes to, to, to pull the juice out of the grape and separate the pulp. And so the whole purpose of Goliath was to put pressure on praise. See, here's the thing. Goliath saw the inexperienced teenager. But he didn't realize what was in it. Come on. He saw it because he said, Who do you think you are? You little dog. You're going to come barking at me, you little chihuahua. Uh-huh. Chihuahuas think they're pit bulls. They're relentless. Right? They get on and off, right? They, 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 because, because they see themselves as pit bulls. Some of you got a Jesus help me. Some of you got a chihuahua spirit and you get a pit bull mentality. <laughs> but he saw, who are you, you little dog? You think you're going to come here? David said, it ain't about who I am. This ain't about me. Because this is not my back. You don't realize that you're not coming against me or this army or these people. You're coming against their God. And so I don't come in the name of the Israelite army. I don't come with the name of David. I come in the name of the Lord. And I come against you in the name of the Lord. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Goliath saw that inexperienced team, but he didn't know what was in him. Can I tell you, amen, that that's what the enemy says. Well, look at you. You don't have this and you don't have that. But you need to understand, let him know that you recognize what's in you. You're not coming against me. Stop getting offended when somebody hurts your feelings because they're not coming against you. They're coming against why you are who you are. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Do not, do not allow the enemy to use that. Are you understanding me? You've got to recognize what's in you. David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I don't even have a spear and a sword. Amen. But what I do have, hallelujah, in the name of the Lord, you're going down. Amen. The enemy doesn't realize, amen, that's why God will send you out to the battlefield because it's going to make you understand the anointing that's in your life, but it's also going to expose every demon that has been holding you back. It's also going to expose every darkness that has kept you, amen, and set you down. That every time you thought you were going to get up, you went right back down. Amen to the same old stuff. Hallelujah. But it's going to expose the fact that you understand you're God's love token. That battle, David was going to eventually be crowned king. They had a coronation for David. That is a crowning ceremony for a king. But can I tell you that that battle was the coronation of David's anointing. It was from that point on that the real challenge for David ensued. Now I'm about to finish. Let's go back to verse 1. Let's see the setup here. The Philistines, I want you to hear me if you pay attention to anything else to say. 
want you to hear me today. We got some more Hebrew for you, so buckle up, buttercup. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, were gathered together at Shokah, which belonged to Judah, pitched between Shokah and Azekah in Ephes Dami. They set up camp but between Shokah, which means what? To fence in or hedge. So they, they set up camp between Shokah and, and, and Azekah, which means tilt. Like tilled land, land that has been tilled to receive seed. So Azekah means means tilled. So they set up their camp. They gather together for what? We told you what the purpose was. We told you who they are. They are migrants. They are roaming to and fro. They're trying to, to get to where they can follow you, torment you with your past, gather together, bring there, try to hold on, uh, uh, get you to hold on, destroy everything you got. So they've done all of that at Shokah, which means to fence in or hedge. Amen? And they did that between Azekah, which means till, and Ephes Damim. Do you know what Ephes Damim means in the Hebrew? Boundary of blood drops. Boundary of blood drops. It means cessation. It means an end. It means you can go no further. So now... All of this belonged to praise, right? It belonged to Judah. So, so the enemy, amen, was, was, was there, amen, and camping or camping there trying to hedge them in, which was what praise was meant to do, amen, and trying to take their tilled ground, amen, and trying to end or be the end of who they were. But here's what the Bible says, that praise will fit you in. Praise will protect the ground that you have sown seeds in for harvest, and it will set a boundary, amen, that will bring an end to what the enemy can do. All for the blood of Jesus. So when you praise, as you go into the battle, praise is now going to set up, uh, it's going to fit you in. It's going to set up a hedge of protection. It's not only going to protect you, but it's going to protect all the seed that you have sown, the ground that you have tilled. Amen. The things that you have prepared for harvest that God has promised. And it's going to create a boundary by the blood of Jesus that's going to tell the enemy, you cannot come any further. This is as far as you can go. And when you begin to fight with that praise, are you hearing me? See, Goliath underestimated David. He didn't show up on his own. Hallelujah. Goliath, amen, had faith in his potential. He had faith in his ability. He had faith in the fact that he was bigger than any of the others. Hallelujah. But the battle, are you understanding me? The Bible says, go to the second time. Amen. And they pitched between there. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, pitched by the valley of Amon, and set the battle in array. Amen. That's translated. They set the battle line. There was a battle line. So it's not the fact that they were oblivious to the battle. They knew there was a battle. They just did not realize they could win it. They, it wasn't like they didn't understand the line had been drawn. And they want to fight for what they have. And they know that what belongs to them. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Amen. But they just didn't realize they could win it. But David realized that he could win the battle. Why? Because he went in. Hallelujah with the praise. It's not about me, but it's about him. And when you go in and fight with your praise, come on somebody, do you hear me? Hallelujah, it's set up. It's set up. So everything that the enemy's trying to do, hedge you in, fit you in, steal your seed, amen, bring an end to what God is doing in your life. All of that already belongs to praise. You just got to realize that you're anointed to praise him. That the anointing in you will bring every 
wants to do, but what God has already promised to go. Come to the music. So my question to you is, who's ready to sing that? Who's ready to walk out of the mess that you've made of your life? Who's ready to walk out of the battle that you're in with an obvious victory? See, you can't hide the victory. David came out with Goliath's head away. But he could hide that from anyone. But he also came out with a sword that he never had when he went in. You can come out of this thing. You can step out. There's some of you that your life's a mess right now. Right now your life's a mess. Your mind's a mess. Your emotions are a mess. Maybe your marriage is a mess. Maybe your finances are a mess. Everything's just a mess because, because you, 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 you've not been seeking the will of God for your life. You've forgotten that you're a love token of the Father. Man, He loves you. You're never going to get away from that. It's attached to you. It's destined on your life. That he's going to love you. The only, the only, the only thing <coughs> that God will not forgive you for is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And there, there are not a lot of people. And blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is when you attribute the works of the Holy Spirit to the works of the devil. Right. It's not when you say, "Oh, I'm not sure that that's real." It's when you legitimately attribute what only the Holy Ghost can do and call it works of the devil and believe it. So you, there's not anything other than that that you can't be forgiven for. And no matter how messy you are right now, you're still his love token. He still anointed you. Leighton had a ball game. I, I couldn't go because I did the live. But they come back and was telling me that there was someone there at the ball game who had a, a, a grandchild playing basketball on the other team. And they came up to Luann afterward. And this person, this, this, this grandparent, is backslidden and they have been backslidden for years and they understand they used to they used to live the life of the Lord. Point being is they understand the concept of the anointing and walking in power. And I guess they came up to Luann after the game and said, I told I told my grandson, don't you touch that girl from out late. She's anointed. They told me that, and I thought, Hallelujah. it's probably a good thing that I wasn't there, because I would have said, so are you, and so is your grandson. You just don't recognize it. You just don't get it, because they see themselves as now unlovable, unforgivable, undesirable by the Father. My point is, is there's nothing that you will do that will erase that identity on your life. You are his love token. And he will go to great extent to get you to see that. So it doesn't matter how messy it is this morning. I really feel that for somebody today. I'm, I'm about to close. About to, to let you worship and respond. But it doesn't matter how much of a mess that you've made of your life. How mad you've got at God. How many times you've questioned God. 
You're anointed. Because you're his loved one. All you have to do is step from this side into his covenant. And, 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 and to say it for a lack of better words and activate that anointing. Set it into motion. Turn on that power. Turn it from standby to on. See, there's a difference in off and standby. Standby means it's been on or before. Off means it, it's not on at all. Standby means that it's not completely shut off, that it's still, it's still got some power, but it won't take as much to get it on. Are you with me? There's something, there, there, there's a few in here like that today. You're just in standby. You just got to rise up. And when God sends you out and he allows the battle, it's going to expose the anointing in your life. And you're going to come out victorious. If you're here today and the enemy is camping in your praise, he's camping in your family, in your emotions, in your mind, in your marriage, in your praise. He's asking, are you ready to stand out? Are you ready to say, yes, God, take me to the battlefield. Stand with me across this place. If you need to leave today, we understand. We appreciate and thank you so much for coming. Come back Thursday 7, next Sunday. But I want us to keep our focus on this one. If you're here today, First and foremost, you're, you're not saved. You're lost. You're backslidden. Maybe your life is a mess. Maybe you're that one. It's a man. It's a mess, Pastor. It's a mess. The battle isn't meant to take you out. Quickly, quickly respond. He's calling right now. He's calling. He's calling.